0: Well, if you would please turn in your Bibles to uh, Psalm 93. Uh, We'll be doing the whole psalm, verses 1 to 5, this morning. As you're turning there, I think it doesn't require me to say it for you to know that we are living in very turbulent times. And as we uh, think about those things, we also know that our God is not intimidated by any of these things. Our psalm will remind us this morning that the Lord reigns So trust Him. Please follow as I read Psalm 93, verses 1 to 5. Again, this is the word of the living God. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as His belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunder of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given us this psalm and the fact that you've given us your Holy Spirit that you might lead us into all truth, that we might see Jesus, that we might understand how you were at work in our lives and how you would uh, let this word be applied to our hearts, that you would transform us, change us, make us more and more like Christ because of our time meeting with you this morning. We pray it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. The Lord reigns. When you hear that declaration, you might have a variety of different responses. You might think right now as the world is spinning out of control, it seems, in a variety of different ways. You hear that the Lord reigns, but you might not feel as enthusiastic. You don't maybe see evidence of it quite as much as you would hope. But when something good happens to you, right, maybe you get married, maybe you have a baby, maybe your stock values go up, you know, maybe uh, your favorite team wins a championship and you hear the Lord reigns, you're like, yeah, the Lord reigns, right? Sometimes we might say that just because we're getting exactly what we want. But during times of tragedy, in the recent death of a loved one, in a mortal fight with cancer, or some other tragedy that is affecting your life or your family's life right now, you might lift an eyebrow and say, yeah, I know the Lord reigns, but it doesn't feel like it. Well, whether you are joyful, skeptical, or indifferent about the Lord's reign, the psalmist wants us to see that our God can be trusted regardless of our circumstances. We learn three things from the Lord's reign in this brief psalm. The Lord's reign is regal. The Lord's reign is reliable. And his reign is righteous. Let's see, first of all, how we can trust the Lord's regal reign. Look again at verse 1. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. Now, the Psalms are full of imagery to help us grasp truth about our God. The Lord always connects our common experience to drive home uncommon truths. Now, we learn about the Lord's regal reign by first looking at his clothes and second at creation. The Bible is full of clothing imagery. To introduce the king who reigns, the psalmist wants us to see that he is robed in majesty. Now Joseph, you may remember, was clothed with a coat or a robe of many colors. The priests were robed in holy garments of beauty, and Jonathan gave his priestly robe to David as a sign of their covenant. But as glorious as those famous robes are in scripture, Only the Lord is ever clothed in majesty, grandeur, and glory. Now, this is one of the most striking things about this psalm. Not one other person is mentioned in all of the psalm. This psalm is purely focused on the king who reigns. He has a regal reign. Now, our king has the glow of greatness, And it's displayed in everything that he does. And so not only do we see his regal reign in his clothing, but also in his creation. The Lord established the world by his infinite strength. He is so strong, he didn't even need any tools, right? He simply spoke the universe into existence by the word of his mouth out of nothing. So we should be confident in the Lord's foundations, Now, this is the same mouth that is speaking to us in this psalm. And so the Lord's regal reign is relevant to every season of our lives. Even in Job's great season of suffering, the Lord began in this very place, focusing on the earth's solid foundation, pulling Job's gaze away from his troubles back to his God. The Lord said to Job, or asked Job, a series of rhetorical questions in chapter 38. He says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now, obviously, none of us were there, so we can't give God counsel about what he should have done better in the way that he made the world and the universe. And so we do know that creation bears God's fingerprints, his regal design. The universe is finely tuned to sustain life On this earth, if it was just a little bit closer to the sun, we'd burn up. A little bit farther away, we'd freeze. God has it finely tuned for life on this planet. And it shall never be moved, the psalmist reminds us. But who are we to criticize this king of creation who's able to speak universe into existence? His throne has been established from everlasting. God had no beginning His attribute of aseity, which is his power of being, is what gives existence to all other things. And so if the world is established and can never be moved, how much more stable is our eternally existent king who never had a beginning? Therefore, we learn next to trust the Lord's reliable reign. First we saw his regal reign and now his reliable reign. Rain. Look again at verse 3. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Now when I think of floods, I can't help but to remember the tsunami that hit Indonesia back in 2004. And then seven years later, another big one hit Japan. Uh, you might remember that. Now, a tsunami is not a large wave. A tsunami is like stair steps of waves, that then it's like the, the ocean is moving on to the shore layer upon layer, and you cannot outrun it. But we can't think of floods unless we also think of the great flood in Noah's day. Noah did not, or, or not only did the, the rain come down, but the Lord broke open. The uh, uh, springs of the sea, the recesses of the deep, and so the volume of water to cover the earth was over 500 million cubic miles of water. There is no flood that can compare to that flood. And thankfully, we have the Lord's wonderful promise that never again will there be a worldwide flood because he has promised to never do that again but we still have the thunder of many waters. This certainly brings to mind giant waterfalls. Now I knew that Angel Falls was the tallest waterfall in the world, but I wanted to find the one that had the greatest volume of water. And so when I did my research, I discovered that it's the Denmark Strait Cataract. Yes, exactly. Who's ever heard of that, right? What is that? Well, it's actually a waterfall in the ocean. What happens is is this very heavy, cold water comes up over the ridge uh, of the, the Greenland-Scotland ridge, and that cold, heavy water falls down underneath the warmer water. So I guess it depends on your definition of what is a waterfall going over a ridge, right? But it has 175 million cubic feet of water that goes over that ridge. Now, the heaviest waterfall above sea level, if you prefer that definition, is the Inga Falls down in the Congo. And that has 11 million gallons falling every second. That's a lot of water. Now, I've not yet made it to Niagara Falls since moving to Michigan. But uh, if you've uh, ever been there, then you might know what the sound is like of water as that much water comes dumping over a ridge. The thunder I am much more familiar with comes from the waves of the sea. See, I was born in Florida. I grew up uh, surfing. My uncle taught me how to surf when I was eight years old, and so uh, I fell in love with surfing. It was one of the most greatest loves of my life. I started making surfboards when I was in high school, and uh, I was fully convinced that was going to be my vocation until the Lord saved me and then said, you're going to go do something different. Uh, I have surfed almost every beach on the Florida's East Coast. Uh, I've surfed in multiple places around the world, California, Costa Rica, Panama, and Hawaii. And the biggest wave I ever surfed was in Costa Rica. It was about 15 feet high. And the best wave I ever surfed was in Hawaii, where I got barreled two times on one eight-foot wave. And I will just never forget that moment for the rest of my life. But when you think about waves, I don't want you to think about going to the Indiana or Michigan shoreline in this little two-foot shore break, right? That's not <laughs> the waves that he is talking about, okay? I want you to Google, not right now, but, you know, later, Google uh, Teahopo, okay? It's, it's uh, spelled T-E-A-H-U-P-O-O, okay? It's, it's nicknamed Chopu. So if you Google that, you will see a wave, okay, that it's... it's it's probably got a the, the, the lip of the wave as it breaks is about 30 feet thick. It's just dumping over onto a reef. That's power, right? It's, it's a greater power than a train coming at you. And it just dumps over and these guys are riding and you'll say they're, they're completely insane. Um, but it's an amazing thing. So when you think of this psalm and you think of the waves of the sea and the thunder that comes from that, that's the wave I want you to think of. All right, so when the Bible says mighty waves, this is what we remember. But then the Lord continues as he's talking to Job, and he says in verse 8, Or who shut the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment, and thick darkness its swaddling band, and prescribed limits for it, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far shall you come, and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. Now, in the Bible, the sea was a symbol of chaos and uncertainty. That's what they thought of when they thought of the sea. Fierce winds would come up and over and into the Sea of Galilee and quickly churn up large waves that the fishermen had to deal with. This symbol of chaos is eliminated in heaven we read in revelation 21 then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more now for ocean lovers like me how could that possibly be heaven right when you get rid of the sea that doesn't make any sense well that's not what john is saying he's simply saying that chaos and uncertainty have become have been overcome by the lord's reliable reign Now, I need to ask you, why would the psalmist begin by talking about how well-established the earth is and that the earth can never be moved and then talk about the most unstable part of the earth? Water. Why would he do that? Because even when the flood moves higher and higher and you think you are going to drown, know that the Lord is mightier than the flood. Maybe your income is dropping and your debt is rising like a flood. The Lord is mightier than your debt. Now that doesn't mean go spend up a storm, but it does mean the Lord can help you manage your finances wisely, even in turbulent times. Or when the thunder of the waterfall overwhelms you, know that the Lord is mightier than that thunder of many waters. Perhaps there is a lot of noise and turmoil in your family so that conflict rains down like Inga falls. The Lord is mightier than your family's conflicts. He can help husbands not be harsh with their wives. He can help wives submit to their husbands' leadership and help both parents not be harsh with their children. He can also help children honor their father and mother. Or when the waves of the sea pound and pound and pound, know that the Lord is mightier than the greatest of waves in this world. Maybe every news report of COVID or the riots just pounds on your life day in and day out so that the bigger waves of death and destruction seem to just keep coming. The Lord is mightier than any death or any destruction that might come. Water may feel very unstable, but you know what you can count on with water? It will always follow gravity. And so when we think about the fact that the instability of the raging water in your life happens, but it has to follow the gravity of the Lord's will, just as it did in Job's life. And so we learn, lastly, to trust the Lord's righteous Rain. First, we saw his regal reign, second, his reliable reign, and lastly, his righteous reign. Look again at verse 5. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. Now, the psalmist shifts from focusing on the Lord's strength to focusing on the Lord's character. Right? You may recall Jesus doing something very similar in Matthew 9. He says, And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say... Your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. You see, the Lord wants us to see that his strength displayed in creation, displayed through miraculous healing, is what gives us greater trust in the character of that God who's in total control. His decrees may not always be understood, but they can be trusted. Now, holiness befits his house. I can't remember who said it, but someone gave the illustration that if God's attributes were flowing like a river and they went over a waterfall, his holiness would be the mist that comes up from that uh, waterfall. Now, that's just an illustration, but we all always try to wonder, like, what exactly is the holiness of God? What, what is that? We hear about it, we know it's repeated in the, the Word of God, but what is it? And I think uh, D.A. Carson, when I heard him at Ligonier, said it probably the clearest of anyone. He said also in one of his books, when the angels cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, Do they mean moral, moral, moral is the Lord Almighty, or separate, separate, separate is the Lord Almighty? It does lose something, doesn't it? Just to ask the questions reveals how inadequate such common definitions of holy really are. Carson says, at its core, holy is almost an adjective corresponding to the noun God. Only God is God. God is holy. He is unique. There is no other. Then, derivatively, that which belongs exclusively to Him is designated holy. The censers in the temple, priestly garments, etc., not because they are moral, certainly not because they are divine in themselves, but because they are restricted in their use to God and His purposes. When people are holy, They are holy for the same reason. They belong to God and serve him and function with respect to his purposes. And so if we're to be a people who trust in our holy God and stand firm on his eternal decrees, how is that possible? Well, it's because the psalmist also is pointing us right back to Jesus himself. Jesus was robed in majesty. And yet when he came to this earth, he was wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a manger of all places. When he was arrested, the guards guards stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe of shame. And which was then transformed by him into a red robe of righteousness. We read in Revelation 19. The Lord's righteous reign. We also see the great waves of the sea. When the disciples shrieked in terror, they were going to die when they were in the boat. The mighty waves were then stilled by Jesus himself to reveal that he is indeed the Lord of all creation, standing before them in the flesh. He is mightier than the seas. And that applies to all of us as we read from Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that, this is the purpose clause, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes rather speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into christ the father's decrees before the foundation of the world were lived out to the letter by king jesus He lived the holy, perfect life that each one of us has failed to live. He died the death that we deserve upon that cross because of our sin. And then he rose again from the dead to defeat sin, death, and the devil. So that by faith in Christ alone, we can have the assurance of our forgiveness and of eternal life resting in him. Is that the king of kings that you worship. Maybe this is your first time here. Maybe you've been here a a, a thousand times, but you have yet to humble your heart before King Jesus and submit to his lordship in your life. If that is you, if you have been one, namely all of us who have rebelled against him, but you are one who has yet to then submit to this King Jesus and seek him for your salvation, then he calls you even now to turn to him in prayer, confessing your sin, confessing your need for this Savior, that he would draw you to himself and make you his own forevermore. But for those of us who have already confessed faith in this King, do you give thanks to him among the peoples? Do you sing praise to him among the nations? Do you counsel your soul to bless the name of the Lord? even in troubled times. Well, He has set us apart as His people for such a time as this, to be those that exalt in thought, word, and deed His glory among all the nations. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we consider Your greatness, as we consider this psalm, which is just a display of Your work and of Your person. We thank you that it also reveals to us the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. We come because we want to celebrate your greatness. We want to celebrate the way that you have brought salvation to sinners like us. And we would ask that as your spirit does a work in our hearts, as we are drawn to your table, Lord, that we would be those who are resting in your righteous reign. We pray that as we partake of this supper together, Lord, that you would be the one to, to calm our souls and to help us bring confidence into this world, into every relationship we have, knowing that you are in control of all things. We pray it for your glory's sake. Amen.